What's up, disc golfers? Welcome to episode 168 of the Disc Golf Podcast. My name is Robin. Alongside me, my longtime friend, avid disc golfer, Joe. We're doing a podcast. And I also just lied in the intro because Joe is definitely not alongside me. No. He is uh, several hundred miles away, several hundred miles south of me. And in a grungy hotel room. Yep. I can see lots of stains. And uh, he's clearly been partying very hard because pretty much all I can see is pizza boxes and beer cans. But oh no, they they the people take those out every day. I mean, I've had lots of beer and pizza here, <laughs> but it gets cleaned up. Um, thank you very much, uh, staff here. <laughs> staff at the uh, the uh, Roach Motel. Yep, which is actually a term of endearment in my book because the Roach is an awesome putter, and mm. you know. I don't feel like that's something you're really into, but like you know, it's all good. I mean, I, I'm definitely into roaches. I'm, I love, I like many different types of roaches. To be honest, just not like actual roaches, like the bug. Not down with those. Yeah, I've never really had to deal with those. So, but virtually all of the other types of roaches that I'm aware of, pretty cool with them. Uh, we know a dude named Roach. <laughs> ah, okay. We're down to fifty percent of the the roaches. I think I, you're. I think you're cool with them. I don't think you're trying to hang out with them. But exactly. I guess we know a couple roaches actually. Oh, weird. We lived. We lived with one in Chico, and then there's a dude who is homeless that we went to high school with. <laughs> in Sonoma, that's also a roach. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. All right. You're They're really right you really throwing a lot of water on my uh, my adornment of roaches, but fine. I was saying they're fine people. I don't think I don't think either of us has anything against either of the uh, the roach people. No, that's that's probably true. That's probably true. They're not. You know, we don't. We're not. We don't love them. But yeah. we. They're. We're indifferent. And One of them okay. has some unfortunate circumstances, which you know he may or may not be in control of. But he's still a, a fellow human that that we, you know, wish yep. good things for, right? And then one of them uh, was someone who went that lived with us in Chico that. Uh, I saw do more drugs than anyone I've ever known in my life, but now is uh, like a military officer. So it's all good. I heard that too. Is that actually true or is that just Oh, it's a... for sure true. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, I will second the saw do more drugs than any other person I've ever met. That's, that's, yep. I will. But anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> welcome to the Disc Golf Podcast, hard hitting disc golf news source. Full of all kinds of information. Definitely no personal tangents that have nothing to do with disc golf. All disc golf, all day and night, and like most weeks. And Robin just lied to you all again. I, you know, he lied about us sitting next to each other, and now he's just he's a professional lieologist tonight. <laughs> a lieologist, yes. Well, I, you know, the, the truth kind of sucks sometimes. It's it's a lot easier to just get on here and and have a good time and and tell the people what they want to hear which is that um we are uh disc golf media professionals classically trained um we both took the disc golf test and got a's big time a's like like really really good at at knowing stuff about disc golf and we got a a pluses a pluses that's right i should say joe was 99th percentile which was exceptional, um, but yep. 
you do get more points for having a luxurious beard. And right. I unfortunately can't. I qualify. also lost points. I also lost points because I don't have a PDGA number, so we evened out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first question on the test worth one point. What is your PDGA number? Uh Joe whiffed on, on that one. Yep. It's kinda like uh what how many points do you get on the SATs for, for filling out your name? It's like five hundred points. No, and it's all different now. Like when we took the SATs the highest score you could get was a sixteen hundred. Yes, and I think it's like twenty two or something. It's like it's way higher now. That's crazy. There's like another component in it. Hmm. So I don't know. But yeah, we, all those points, I didn't get those. Yeah. Imagine how worthless that was. SATs had literally no bearing on anything I did in my collegiate career. Oh, it one hundred percent did for me. It did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, because you got a like scored a four twenty and qualified for some sort of special aid. No, I scored. <laughs> I scored. My SAT scores were good, and mixed that with being Mexican, and they didn't care about my awful grades. Oh, that's good. My grades. My grades were awful, but I got like a twelve eighty on the SATs. And got like a a, a five forty or five or no not five, I got a seven twenty in math. Mm-hmm. So that that I think that mixed with being Mexican, they were like, "All right, you can come to a four year." What does it really take to get into Chico State? Like honestly, I mean, come on. We know a few people that didn't get into Chico State. Uh, do they have a pulse? Like were uh, they? Yeah, but they're just white. Did they like, actually we, we apply, or did they? Were they just like, "Oh man, I just forgot." Listen, especially for a business major, it was very impacted. <laughs> it was not easy to get in, but you flash that Mexican heritage, and they're like, "Well, we got to diversify our campus." Boom, I'm in. And I, I love all all our our Chico State alumni that are listening. But you know, you know, come on. But you also know if you are a business person, like you got an amazing education yeah i'm i'm sure an amazing education in alcohol consumption and um and networking well whilst doing that yeah that's big in business bro <laughs> getting drunk and talking to people what do yeah. you think got me to the role i'm in now like uh, I can put them down and have awesome conversations and tell you all the great things we're doing. I could just see this on the Boys and Girls Club website. Joe Hardiman. Stop. Okay. How do you Let's think we're at, How do you think Let's I got here? How do you think I got here? Drinking at work. That's not true. That is not true. I'm just going to just I uh, nope. Def, I'm like now that I'm saying it's a joke, I feel like it's coming across as though I'm lying and it's not a joke. It is 100% <laughs> truthfully a joke. Okay, let's move on. Disc All right. Golf. Well, Disc we've got things. a great show for you guys tonight. We are going to talk about the USDGC announcing a, a brand new model for their live coverage. They are going to start doing a paid subscription for the live coverage, which um, is new. So. Right, and why do you want to pay money for the United or the uh, no University of South Dakota Golf Challenge? That uh, that I would not pay money for, but I bet there'd be a lot that would. So, 
Uh, we also, uh, we since we missed a week, we never talked about the Green Mountain Championship, so we will uh, quickly recap the Green Mountain Championship. Um, we'll also talk about the USWDGC, the U.S. Women's Disc Golf Championship, and uh, an awesome tournament that it was, so we'll, we'll hit that. And then we have our world-famous deer review, our disc and beer pairing, where we take a disc, we take a beer, we review them both, and let you know whether you should bring it on the course. Tonight, we have the Infinite Discs Pharaoh. And uh, thanks to Gabe Howe for sending that to us. He actually sent us two, which is awesome, because it enabled Joe and I to, super test, pretty. to test these while in two different places. And they're gorgeous. So, And then since we're in two different places and didn't coordinate well, uh, we actually have two beers on this uh, deer pairing. So I will be reviewing Bamboozle, which is by Bearded Iris Brewing Company. And uh, this was sent to us by Corey Nichols. It's a triple IPA. And Joe has Amalgamator by Beechwood Brewing Company, which I didn't write down what the percentage was, but I'm sure it's a lot. It's seven. So. Seven one. Ooh, fancy. And mine is 9.8. So. And now that I'm looking at the name, I'm like, maybe we review this before, but I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> if we did, that's Excellent. fine. Robin's still bringing new beer to you, but regardless, I'll, I'll talk about it. So. Um. And then, so I guess uh, USDGC announced uh, in their, uh, just this last week, really leading right up to it, that they were going to do live coverage for rounds two through four, and uh, they were going to charge nine ninety nine for the privilege of, of watching it. And apparently you can do two streams for that, nine ninety nine. you can have it on two different devices. And if you're a PDGA member, it you get a 20% discount, and it goes down to seven ninety nine. So... Um, you save two bucks if you're an active PDGA member, uh, but it's an interesting, interesting model. I can, my first thought when it came up was kind of like, oh my God, can you imagine if the disc golf pro tour had tried to, to roll out this model like early this year when all the, the shit storm was happening with their coverage and like what an absolute disaster it would have been from a PR standpoint and um, from a product delivery standpoint, had they tried to charge money and then put out the, the coverage that they did. But that was my the first blank thought. The screen for half the day. Yeah. yeah. And they'd be refunding a lot of money. And so it's kind of interesting, like, perception. I, I feel like most of what I've seen, people have been fairly receptive. I mean, there are people who are like, eh, I'll just wait for the post-produced. But no one's like, what the fuck is this? Why am I being charged money for disc golf? There are a lot of people out there like, you know what? I want to see how this works, and uh, you know, ten bucks isn't isn't a crazy amount of money. Um, I I assume that you and I are going to going to fork up the the ten bucks and, yeah. and just to well, at least see th- what it is and and be able to report on it. They chose a good price point. They chose a good price point. Yeah, um, I think that's a good way to dip your toe in and see how it is. Also, what is the name of the company? It's like. Oh, I forget um, uh, it's the name. Not, of the, it's not the Spin TV, but in my mind, it's probably the Spin TV. Uh, it's not Spin TV. Spin TV is doing post-produced, um, and uh, I forget the the media company that's that's actually doing uh, the the coverage before. But I don't think that they've. I don't think that they've done it before. That's my only worry because I know last year. Yeah, last year Spin, they. Spin did the live last year, and it was money. Yeah. 
and beyond that, like we are getting the pairing that we asked for, maybe not explicitly on the pod, but behind closed doors, Robin and I are driving around. Um, the champ and Hannah McBeth, yeah, like that is a win. That, like I will, I will pay the ten dollars for that. I I agree. I think Hannah's great, and uh, and the champ adds so much to every broadcast. He is in terms so money. Of, yeah, it, his knowledge of the game. He gives you different angles, and and you can appreciate everything he knows about the game. And then Hannah's just solid. I mean, she's just she's charismatic, and she has great knowledge of the game as well, uh, and understanding of the courses, and really kind of rolls with the with the different um, the different personalities that she's been put with, both with their you know different kind of humor styles. Uh, she's just worked well, so I, I think it's going to be great. And we've made plenty of jokes about uh about uh you know creepy ken and is we not 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 on podcasts <laughs> <laughs> i feel like those are conversations we had uh that maybe we shouldn't bring up here uh i'll just say the conversations we've had off off of recordings um weren't they pre did we had some pre-show conversations about maybe it. some pre-show conversations yeah we for sure have they were fun and they're goofy. I hope the silly things we came up with will never come to fruition, because <laughs> that will ruin all of it. But I think it's gonna be—I think it's gonna be great. Like, really, uh, if y'all didn't know, last year at USDGC, I think Ken Kleiman was just around and they asked him to like chat for like a minute, and then he just became a co-host, and his knowledge and his stories. And uh, his like his raspy voice, like his voice, like yeah. it all worked together. Like the yeah. package was amazing. It was so good, and no, then it was I feel great. like, um, and I feel like as soon as we've heard Hannah, as soon as she stepped into a booth to do stuff, like we all knew she's she's got it. Uh, yeah, she has the charisma I think her, and, the, I think and her, the talent. I think her disc golf game is getting better, but her number one skill in disc golf right now is commentating. Yeah, I agree. I mean, she's a great personality. So totally, and and you know, pairs well with just about anybody she's put with, which is a, a true talent for someone that's working in media, is being able to be versatile, and yeah, and work and with I mean, anybody that you're paired with. So I think Jamie Thomas is part well. of that too. So they've got three good people. Uh, yeah. That aren't hard on the eyes. I mean, you got super handsome Jamie and Ken, and then you got <laughs> Paul's wife. Like it's good. Super handsome Jamie and Ken. Is that did yeah? You just, okay. They're, they're 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 handsome gentlemen, and then like you know Hannah's Paul's wife, so that's cool. <laughs> I see what you did there. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I see what you did there. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Five championships, huh? I've got 12. Right? You know that, Hannah? 12 <laughs> championships. <laughs> you haven't seen a 12th? Never mind. Um, <laughs> no, we're going to pay for it, and I hope it's awesome. If it's not, you'll hear about it from us for sure. Uh, but this this could be the, the way things move, and I'm not I'm not against it. I think Neither there needs it's... to be income sources for these, these people to do awesome things. Like, yeah. I appreciate the free 
Um, but I'll say this right now. So forever, and we've said this forever, when there is free like Smashbox or whatever live coverage, there's still people that jump on and complain and talk shit. And we've said forever, like, you're not allowed to talk trash when you're getting a free product. Or like the people that were talking talking shit about CCDG when there was a tornado. Well, that's a whole through Canadian nationals. just piece of shit person. So, like, there's, there's like, a, a real low level on, on – a real low bar for, for some of these people that, that want to complain about not getting their free coverage on time. But – I'll echo your your uh, thoughts, which is that, you know, these people that, that put this together, whether it be Smashbox or, or whoever it is, deserve to be paid for what they're doing. Uh, and if this is how it works, and maybe there's there's only, you know, you see on these broadcasts, like Worlds, what, hit like 15,000 viewers for the live? Yeah. And other tournaments are are more down in like the the three to five thousand range, right? For the, for like the normal DGPT events and stuff like that for those live streams. So, I mean, if there's if there's just say there's eight hundred people or a thousand people that end up going for this, I mean that's that's a huge amount of money for for the USDGC. And we forgot to mention it's going to charity. So, say a thousand people do it. That's ten grand, right? Yeah. I, I guess you'd have to play in the fact that there'd be a, a good portion of those that are PGA members. So maybe it's maybe it's seventy five hundred or whatever that they get for this live coverage. They pay for a good amount of their their um uh of their their expenses, and then the rest goes to the Edge Foundation, um, which is the educational disc golf. I forget what it is, but uh, it's um uh, Yeti and uh and des that that put together yeah. this this disc golf program which is awesome getting young kids into disc golf and bringing no, them to schools so i th- i think it, there's a lot of good going on with it i think this might be the model going forward and i'm not against it once again like i said they need to deliver um but with that said like this listen if if every big tournament that i want to watch live starts doing this pay for one i mean we're in a situation where we can and kind of have to, which <laughs> yeah. moves it one way. But the second, like, I'll tell you right now, like, if this is the, the way things go, um, like, PDGA needs to start kicking some money them to them, too. Because I'll tell you right now, I'll get a PDGA membership to get discounts for a year, you know? Yeah, I mean, if there was a – I mean, the problem is there's not one – channel but i mean this could pave the way for the disc golf pro tour to say hey here pay us uh 40 bucks in january and you get access to the all year. our live footage totally for the, the whole year i wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like that start or to pave the way this. for smashbox to set up something too like yeah i mean it goes through the udisc platform or whatever it is um but i i wouldn't be surprised if we saw this if this is successful uh, see this crop up we already see that the majority of people watch disc golf on the post-produced coverage on jomez or ccdg right however it comes out and there's not a the only the most hardcore fans are watching it live so well it's tough i mean may as there's well a capitalize there's a reason that footballs on weekends or nights and baseballs yep. on night like baseball i'm sure the wednesday day games don't get a lot of viewers exactly you know 
a, a Thursday, Friday morning, middle day is not a good viewing time. Like no. it's just, it's not. Uh, and you know, I stream- I watch what I can when I'm at my desk and it's on a second on my second monitor or something. But I I don't have the ability to really just be like, I'm Locked gonna in. sit yeah. down, put my feet up, have a beer, and, and watch disc golf. Yeah, same. I mean, and even on the weekend. Uh, when depending on what's going on, you know, Saturday's my best shot at playing around. Um, yep. You know, so if it's going on in there, and then Sundays, if I'm either with family or you know, there's football games going on too, so I'm managing a lot of different things. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm mixing up uh, uh, football and disc golf at the same time. But in this case, and and I should mention also, USDGC isn't this weekend; it's the the following weekend. Yes. So we got and, and that's why we won't give you a full. Uh, yeah, we're we, not, that's why we're not giving you a preview of the course and the players and all that stuff. We're going to do that next week. Yeah, we so. just this pay per view thing is is new and and worth talking about. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think I echo probably the majority of what I saw in this podcast, which is that it seems like they're the people that are willing are willing, and the people that aren't are kind of like meh. I wasn't going to watch the live anyway, and uh, I'll just watch the post produced like I always do. So and then the diehard fans like, you know, you and I and and probably a lot of people that listen to this podcast are at least willing to give it a shot uh, and give some money to charity and see what what uh, what this coverage is going to be like. So totally. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't do you have any other thoughts on the on the um, USDGC live uh, kind of pay-per-view setup here? No, I think it's smart. I like I said, I think this um I mean as part of uh, although a small like offshoot, but as part of disc golf media like hell yeah, like I, you know, I it's in the the much lower 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 tier, but when you hear about like football players being like, "Oh, we want everybody playing in the league to get paid." Like yeah. that ultimately, like if this can, you know, make people more money or drive more cash in this game, like the better it is for any of us, not only as part of the media, but for the sport in general. Like that's yeah. what drives sports to be a big deal is the cash flow. Unfortunately, that's yeah. that's the world. So the more money that's that true. can if, – if, if lots of money can pump through disc golf, that will, you know, ESPN 15 will be like, oh – you know what? There's money pumping through. People are willing to pay for X, Y, or Z. Like sponsors will then get more involved, possibly. Like it, it's it could open a lot of very positive doors yeah. for this to be successful, not only in the subscriber base but also in the production quality. I'll be interested to see whether they release or how transparent they are with how many people subscribed um, to this. Like whether they'll they'll put out, hey. We had, you know, 470 people do it or, hey, we had 1,200 people do it, you know, and we raised, you know, nearly 15 grand or, you know, whatever um, for uh, for charity. Um, so I'll, I'll be interested to see. My guess is that it'll be somewhere around 1,000 people. That's just what I when, you know, when you see the bare minimum on like I feel like if you're watching FPO live, you're a diehard disc golf fan. And when I'm yeah. on there watching FPO live, I see about a thousand people on there, 
And, yeah. you know, it, sometimes it jumps like 1500 uh, or, you know, in Worlds, obviously it was higher. But for the most part, like I'm there because I want to see disc golf and and want to want to absorb as much as I can. And I feel like that's what you'll see, like that that core awesome group that loves disc golf so much that they're they're willing to to uh, support a cause like this. So I'll be interested well, I'll, to see I'll, if we get actual yeah. numbers. Well, I'll say right now. Uh, a plea, which I don't know that we ever give pleas really to uh, our listeners aside from joining Patreon, which we'll hear about later. Um, uh, please go after it and get this. Uh, if you are listening to us and you think you'll even catch a glimpse, I think it could be very positive for the growth of the sport. Um, and it's helping charity. Obviously, you know, you know what your means are. You know what you're doing, but... Um, and and I mean, I guess I'm putting a lot of eggs in this basket because, you know, I'm hoping that the coverage is awesome. If it's awful, like it is what it is. But ultimately, yeah. it's it's charity and it's going to it's ultimately for you people who sport that grow the sport hashtag like this is definitely a moment that you can grow it. I think more than um, you realize at first glance. Yeah, I, I totally agree. All right. You ready to move on to uh, Green Mountain Championship? <clears throat> which was now uh two weeks ago i guess yep. um at this point so we're we're way out of touch but we apologize again joe's been off traveling uh doing his his tour of california motels and yep. visiting his various and uh, never mind we already talked about that but um so uh discraft's green mountain championship uh which is smugglers not notch resort in Vermont, uh, this is Jeff Spring was your TD for the, for this one, the the new uh, director of the Disc Golf Pro Tour. So um, that's that's awesome. But uh, <clears throat> beautiful course, rich green everywhere. In uh, as is Vermont tradition, a little bit of fall color, not quite yet, but there's, you saw a couple of trees out there. Always beautiful. Um, this one, uh, Paul Macbeth. No surprise here. Paul Macbeth takes it down. And no surprise. It, I mean, he, we we said it three weeks ago. Whenever the last time we podcast, we were like, "So Paul's going to win." Yep. And uh, and and he did. Yeah. Uh, what what is interesting to me is we have a Nicola Castro sighting uh, in in the top three, in actually third place, which is the first time I feel like I've said that name on this show this year that wasn't like, "Hey, where's Nico?" Uh, this wise. course just plays to his strength. It so really does, well. and he's had some great, great rounds here in the past too. So, I oh think, yeah, I think it's something that that works out well for him. Well, and watching but. the Jomez coverage and listening to to Big Sexy, like you could hear Sexton like bringing it up, like how confident Nico was with his putts. Mm-hmm. which is is very telling. And I know we've had our conversations about if this guy could putt, he'd be great. But Nico is a super on or off. Yep. He's like not exactly. a middle ground for Nico. And he will – And I mean, and when he's on, him, it's like supernova. He's I mean, nails. But he's been someone that I, I feel like when we started this podcast, when I was like, you know what? I started watching a lot of disc golf. I'm super in disc golf. That's why we're doing this. Like, in the days that we were watching a ton of disc golf, like, just starting to get into this, it was, like, Shoestrick and Nico. Like, yeah, they were the they were the big yeah. people, and his putting was amazing. And I feel like from that time till now, 
he's had like 15 different putting strokes. Yeah. Well, and That's, and you know, he's got that uh that signature straddle style that he does. Uh, and it really is. I mean, there probably isn't a bigger dichotomy uh for any player in terms of when they're they're on and off. I mean, maybe Lazat a little bit with yeah. that spin putt where he can just be like completely lost in the woods, and then all of a sudden he's banging sixty footers left and right. Nico's the right. Same he'll way. bang all the sixty footers, or he'll go sixty long on every hole because he's exactly. trying to smash and not touch anything. Yeah, and Nico doesn't quite do that because he's got that kind of uh, that straddle loft putt. Um, so he's more like catching cage and and having well, it. Well, but his in front. his thing is is his is putting mixed with his head. Yeah. Yep. So he's a player that if if the putts aren't on and he starts missing putts, he gets heated and then the other pieces kind of fall off, like they feed into each other. Yeah. Um. And and he stayed clean and smooth and and there's some big long holes. Yeah. And I think we talked about this even the last time we recorded. Like, if you're throwing overstable discs and throwing flexes, you're doing it wrong unless you're Nico Lacaster. You're Nico. Yeah, and you can throw something super beef on a forced Anheuser, and it goes 520 feet. He really is the the best at that shot. Oh that, yeah, that forced flex with a very overstable disc and getting huge, you know, like 700 foot distance out of it on some of these holes. I mean, he's just he's just a master of it, and he no is. no one else does it quite like he does. Yeah, that's just I mean his Simon MO. gets out there and he he throws them too, those huge sky anhyzers oh and things God. like that. But Well we'll but, have to talk about the skins match for a second when we yeah, wrap totally. the actual like that's yeah. a that's a big that, deal. That, um, oh man. That shot but, was bananas. But I think it was very good to see Nico. I think we talked about earlier in the season just being like, is he just is his head not in the game? Is he just looking for his next thing? Is he like wrapping up? We don't know. And to see not only – I know he came out a few weeks ago, but her, for him to come to this and compete and finish top, like, is a great sign. Like, that makes me uh, makes me happy. I love yeah, Nico. Well, there are times that, like, he's annoying and over the top, but ultimately, like, you can't hate someone for being super over the top passionate about what they're doing. Yeah, he's an intense competitor, and, uh, and he definitely lets it – you know di- – definitely wears his emotions on his sleeve so he's he's going to give you something interesting every time he's out there but it, it's good to see him out there playing well it's always it's always fun like whenever he plays well you notice it like there's no yeah there's no going around. it's not like a oh this person's sneaky good or like they're so smooth and and it's more like whoa look what nico did you know uh it also doesn't so. hurt that he's wearing like clothes that are on fire <laughs> with like rainbows and glitter mixed in <laughs> That that too, that too. Like you can't not see him for that too. But uh, no, he's awesome. It's great to see him there. But I think what's worth bringing up. Uh, well, one, Paul just dominated. Like it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really close. Dickerson got out to a good start. And what I was going to say is is watching the coverage. Um. Like we've we've seen players in the past. Like, and there there are times where people have been like. Oh, Eagle just had such bad luck on that course. And it really wasn't like good putts that weren't sitting. It was like a little outside or whatever. Chris Dickerson had very bad luck. 
Like yeah. I, I, I equate a lot of his strokes to luck more than than mistakes. Yeah. It, like it was it was a solid player. Totally. And it's like, oh, that putt was like a little bit off to the left. And it's like, yep, so it shouldn't have gone in. But his like wouldn't go in and then get on edge and roll sixty feet out of bounds. Yeah. Like he just had the worst like there was at least three of those times where you're just like, oh, that is that is not – like, it, that shouldn't have even happened to begin with, and then it's OB compounded on top of it. Yeah. Just yeah, no, it's brutal. Just, it was just a rough world. Um, but I think what I was going to say, like, I think the – well, also, I guess before I move to the, the next piece I really want to bring up, we talked about Lazat, and he played very well. He had a really rough final round, but a top five from, from Simon – is great because he's another person. He's probably the number one person that I've, I have like carried the flag of, does he want to do this? Like, is he even happy playing? Like, is he into this? I don't know. Cause yeah. he's so much better than what he'd been playing. And to see him come out and finish the way he did, even with a rough final round, like lets me know that, um, He he wants to do it and he's digging it. So I'm 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 happy about that. Yeah, it it is funny. He has such an easygoing personality. It, he's he's always you know fun loving and and uh, easygoing. And occasionally you know you'll you'll get a glimpse into like you know him expressing frustration about his game or like you know him giving his bag away and then taking a little break from disc golf type thing. Um, so you know he cares, but he's also so easygoing. And for a professional athlete, you're not quite used to that. You know, you expect someone to be just, you know, locked in and, and I'm a competitor uh, type thing. So I, I think a little bit just plays into how, how you know, jovial and whimsical he can be, you know, throwing these crazy shots up in the air and how talented he is. Um, but he's how not... How many times have you seen... Paul give away discs or his bag. Yeah, exactly. Hardly ever. Never. I mean, I'm sure he's given given away discs, but never out of his bag. You know. No. Um, but it, you know, he just doesn't have that. That I've never seen him have that like killer instinct. Like I'm, I'm in this tournament. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna step on your throat, like you see from Paul, where where he just clicks into that mode and he's like, I, you know, I'm the man up in this piece. It's over. Yep. I, it's over. You, you And, and that's, I think the part that we haven't seen from Simon that, that everybody wants to see because of how talented he is. Same with Eagle. You know, it, we, we expected big things from Eagle this year and it largely we hasn't did. been, uh, you know, we haven't really well, seen much of him at all. And so. I've seen him give away his bag and his disc like three times too. Like in that same talking about that way. I do think, him getting his glasses will be helpful. Depth perception, like vision is kind of a big deal Yeah, when you're out there. Uh, but anyway, so the, the other thing, the big thing I want to bring up that I kept like setting aside, Chris Clemens came out of somewhat nowhere through what I believe is tying the course record minus 11 on his final round to pop from the chase card to second overall. Yeah. Which is pretty rad. Yeah. Granted, he is a cheater. He is a (laughs) cheater. So, you know, take it or leave it. Officially, with that lefty 11 down final round. uh, Yep. So, no, that was great. So, uh, top 
Top 10, we got Paul McBeth uh, in first place at 36 down. Chris Clemens in second place, like you said, with that amazing final round to, to jump up off the chase card. Um, and then uh, Nicola Castro in uh, third place at 26 down. Chris Dickerson in fourth place at 25 down. Uh, Simon Lazat in fifth place at 24 down. Ricky Wysocki in sixth place at 22 down. We have Calvin Heimberg and Nate Sexton tied in seventh at 21 down. And then Martin Hendel at 20 down in ninth place. And then James Conrad rounding out the top 10 at 19 down. So that's your top 10 for, for uh, the Green Mountain Championship MPO division. So you, you ready to move on to FPO? Yes. So uh, this I actually really loved uh, for for MPO. 100%. Uh, for FPO. Uh, Sarah Hokum really needed a, a big win this year. Like we we talked a bunch about her in the offseason and how the MVP discs were working out well for her. And really overall, she hasn't had a real splash this year uh, in terms of, of her tournament. And having this nice big win uh, was great. I, I was I I was rooting for her down the stretch and and it was it's always fun to to watch her style as crazy as that that forehand shot is uh, she's still right. a great player and it's crazy that she hadn't really um, done anything you know, big done anything big yet so winning but I at, mean if your signature win's gonna be Green Mountain like that you're you're good it's a good year yeah yeah totally uh, and we forgot to mention this a disc golf pro tour event but actually right. no I I did. Because I said Jeff yeah. Spring. so. <clears throat> but um, so we had uh, Sarah Hokum in in taking first place uh, by one stroke over, uh, or sorry, by by five strokes over Kristen Tatar, and then uh, Rebecca Cox uh, in in third place at eight over. So we had Sarah Hokum one over, Kristen Tatar six over, and then Rebecca Cox eight over, Paige Pierce. At 11 over, and then Haley King uh, in fifth place at 16 over. Katrina Allen at 21 over um, in in sixth place. So that's that's rough. Katrina's had a rough stretch here. She she we'll, definitely has. I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit more once we hit the USWDGC. Um, unfortunately, but um, yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's too bad. Well, there was um, a time earlier. I mean, the first four or five tournaments this year, we were just like, I guess it's Cat's year. Like Paige doesn't want it, it's cat. But it yeah. also is it's kind of neat. Um, it's neat to see both of them not in the top three. Like that's that's great for like competition. Uh, that's I I like that. I do I do too. Um, and specifically Tatar, uh, seeing her at the top of these leaderboards is great because we don't get a lot of exposure to her. Right, given that she's largely uh, competes in the in in Europe, and we get to see her for some of these main events, but I mean, she really has the talent to play with the best of them, as we'll see, you know, coming up when we we hit the USWDGC. But uh, it's it's great to see that as well. So, um, you you should we just move on to USWDGC since? Do you yeah, have I any think other that's thoughts fine. on on Green Mountain Championship and the FPO? Yeah, I'm. I am into that. Will you lead us in? And I'm going to be more transparent than ever because we're not with each other. Um, I'm going to use the restroom, and I don't <laughs> think we can pause. So lead us in. I will be right back. 
<laughs> that sounds fine. So, uh, USWDC, which was in Spotsylvania, Virginia, um, over the weekend, it was a three-round tournament um, and uh, played at two different courses, Loriella and Hawk. And this was a fantastic tournament. I, I really enjoyed the coverage, uh, for one. Uh, the the, the um, post-produced coverage was fantastic and, and really got to showcase what these ladies can do. And I, I think the biggest thing out of this that most people saw, Kristen Tatar won and, and won pretty handily, but just how well she displayed her consistency of play over and over again, uh, you know, maybe not making the farthest drive or the flashiest shot, but executing on all her throws over and over again. She even missed a few putts going down the stretch that, that she really could have capitalized on, but in the end was able to win pretty handily. And Kristen Tatar's, her round rounds were the, the real story of it, but unfortunately, I think what what was more obvious watching the final round of this tournament was what was going on with Katrina Allen. And it, it seemed to be just kind of taking over the, the the course itself. She was missing putts left and right, missing really short putts, and then suddenly making other ones. But she was also doing something that, that caught my eye, which was that she was um, – you know, finishing out when she would miss a short putt, she would then run up and quickly finish out her her um, her putt and leave rather than waiting and letting everybody else play. And it just seemed like really odd behavior, especially given the, the missed putts. So it was it was strange watching this round when I was trying to focus on on what the other players were doing that were closer to to actually winning the tournament and then just kind of watching a little bit of a meltdown from from Katrina at the same time. So I don't know that did you, what, how did you feel about that? You're watching Kristen Tatar. She's playing great. Um, at, at, through a good portion of the final round, it was really, really close. And then she pulled away, but you're also watching a, a little bit of a meltdown from Katrina Allen at the same time. Right. Well, I think you kind of put it out perfectly too. It was, there would be like glimpses of hope and you're like, okay, she figured it out. And yeah, there was, she'd make there a, was, like a 28-foot putt, and then you're like, okay. She would do a lot of great things and then melt for like four holes and then get back up and do the same. Um, you know, I mean, ultimately at this point, and I mean, I guess it's always been kind of a Katrina Allen thing. Um, yeah. She has every skill needed. As we've seen, I mean, she's won so many champions. She's won so many tournaments. Yeah. She has every skill needed to be the top female disc golfer in the world. 100%. It's, totally. It's, it's between the ears. Yeah, it's, it's all mental focus. It really is. You, you, don't miss, you don't miss short putts like that unless you're just not focusing. Yep. A, and not at that frequency. So, um, And, I mean, her final round was even. It wasn't awful. But I mean, this, at these courses, these were you know set up to score. So um, yeah, but having seven birdies and finishing even is not uh, yeah not ideal. Yeah. And the the I I guess I her card didn't have a problem with it, so I I guess we shouldn't really have a problem with it. But the 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 tapping out her putts 
technically out of turn. I don't know. I, I it's not a great look, and it's not and a great look. Not, and I, f- yeah, it's not saving any time. Like hurt someone else is is watching, getting ready to putt, and then she has to run up and tap out and close out and walk away. And it's it's you're not saving the card time by doing that. And I guess most of us, you're probably sitting there and probably don't give a shit because you're like, well, she's melting down anyway. She's missing all these putts. Like, right. you know, whatever, um, you know, let's move on. Uh, I'm not going right. to call like someone out when they're already doing that. Like, I know it's uh, just leave him alone. He's in his own little thing right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but with that said, a- I think with her too, there, there's, there's two things you can think about. One, we've seen her unfortunately get retaliatory with other FPO players when being called on something. Yes, that's true. So that's that's one thing that I would have in the back of my mind is like if I'm going to call her on her courtesy violation when I celebrate something or like whatever she'll be even the more over top concerned like she'll call by you know if my foot brushes my mini on my drive she will microscope call a foot fault like that's a part of it but two and my and my hope is my hope, because I know we've heard things just about her rapport with the other ladies playing. Um, my hope is it's it's more of like a respect, uh, kind of feel sorry for her, like don't want to make it worse type of thing. Like she, yeah. just like you said, like she's melting. Like let her let I'm gonna let her do her thing. Like I don't need to compound that. I don't need to make that worse. Yeah. By being like, hey, you're also doing this. Um, yeah, I'm trying that's to like win common decency. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. But at the same time, I, you know, not so, not a not a great look. I mean, it's not egregious. This isn't like the, the biggest deal in the world, but it's just kind of one of those things where you're like, all right, come on. Like, that's not that's not really helping anything here. Um, and you're a little bit taken. I mean, I know it's not intentional, but like to me, this is a lot of people probably didn't know much about Kristen Tatar before uh this tournament i mean i mean we did most of us that follow disc golf closely know how good Kristen tatar is we've seen enough european tournaments to know what a talented player she is and when she does come to the u.s she typically performs very very well but um she is incredibly solid in all facets of her game and this is a huge huge win for her and i i think that uh, i i saw a lot of people just like we just did, we focused on Katrina and, and what was going on with that rather than really just kind of, uh, you know, Sitting back putting, like, shedding light on on what an awesome crushing. job. Yeah, like how great she is and that really she should be talked in about in that same tier of, of Paige and, and, you know, normally Kat um, in, in this elite tier of, of disc golfers because she does have that that level of skill. And wasn't so. she like the alternate for Europe, which is like nuts? To yeah. Me? Yep. And I think we brought that up even too. We like, did. We totally did because we were talking because uh, Hannah was the alternate for the U.S. team. Yeah. And and we brought up that that Kristen was the alternate and like what what a huge difference that was, like it because it was Evelina and um, who was the the other uh, European? Um, I forget, but I I, I remember. Too. Yeah. Bloomroos. Henna Bloomroos. Yeah, Henna Bloomroos. Yeah. yeah. And then Tatar was the alternate. So 
um, excellent players, and and Europe is really really killing it with on the FPO side. They are. They, They're on their way. They're on their way for Evelina sure. I mean, this and, is huge. Like a European U.S. World Disc Golf. Oh yeah, that's yeah. big. Yeah. So uh, fantastic. And from what I've seen, uh, it looks like Tatar is going to play in USDGC next week. So well, yeah, because she she I think she that qualified. win qualified her exactly. But you don't have to. It, you're qualified for it, and most everyone does. But but so that'll be uh, awesome experience and and great to see Has, as well. Did Paige qualify? I know she qualified. I believe last Paige did year. as well. She did last year, and I believe she qualified this year as well. So um, I think we'll see both Paige and Tatar uh, playing in totally. USDGC at uh, well, Winthrop Gold. Did did we we ran through the. Yeah, you ran through them. Um, yeah. I think before we move on, just well, – I should have brought this up, but I – excuse myself. So thank you for uh, jumping in and keeping things afloat. Um, the skins match at Smuggler's Notch yeah. was awesome. Oh, that's true. I skipped For multiple over reasons. Yeah. Like right off the bat, staying with the FPO theme, Paige – more than held her own yeah. with the some of the biggest bombers on the MPO scene, which was awesome to see. Yep. She made some huge putts. She made clean drives. She crushed the disc distances that Rob and I pretend we can throw. <laughs> um, it was awesome to see, but also like that carefree, like just making cash scene is Simon Lazat to a T. Yep, totally is. Which is funny because it's like if he just played that way, he'd be okay. But it's it's like so – I feel like the regular tournaments are so calculated. Like I know like Paul – so Paul had an amazing eagle, and his comment right afterwards was like, I'm happy I never have to <laughs> go for it like that again. Yeah, yeah. Because totally. that's not his game. But I feel like it is Simon's. I feel like Simon excels at that. And it's just, it's that, um, it can go so awesome, but it can also go so bad that he mitigates it and goes in the middle. But I feel like if he's throwing the classic shots, he has just as much chance to go wrong than when he's throwing the big shots. Yep. He does. It's it, like I it's, feel like he just mentality needs thing, to come. I think he just needs to commit to like being wild over the top. I, I, I fully approve. Like I, I'd be hundred percent fine with that. So okay. we'll see where that ultimately goes, but yeah, I feel like that uh, that should just be his game plan because he destroyed it. Um, Paul ultimately went through for a few that he didn't attack, but. He uh, still was surprised, real real good at disc golf. Yeah, he's he's kind of all right. So I think the most surprising thing out of anything with the skins match was Kevin Jones. He didn't really do anything. No, and and I he mean he didn't it's go been... big. He didn't do anything crazy. He just played like a meh game and didn't really. Maybe that's just who he is, though. You know, like he, he just I I know who he is. <laughs> he is rolling with that prodigy crew yeah um 
I think, and I could be 100% wrong and someone will let me know because there's going to be someone who's like a KJ USA like friend or, or whatever. I feel like KJ, what, he's like 23, 22? Something like that, yeah. I feel like he fucking smashes beers. <laughs> I feel like he... The night after the tournament was just like, fuck it, like, let's party, and just was cashed by that time. Like, I feel like I've seen him a couple of times and just seen him where I'm just like, he looks hungover. He just looks tired. Like, he stayed out too late. <laughs> and maybe it's not beers. Maybe he just stays up super late, like, playing Nintendo. checking out the scenes in the city or something. I don't know. But, like, in my mind, uh, I imagine my KJ USA as a dude who just, like, loves to get his drink on and party. Uh, in the <laughs> nicest possible way, like still cordial and a gentleman, um, respectful of, of all the people late, around him and be a little like dehydrated and just be like, Oh yeah, I can still get in now, like throw a putter 400 feet, but, uh, my head kind of hurts. And like, I just want to like, I'm just gonna throw an easy, like chill shot. It wouldn't be the disc golf podcast without an irresponsible take somewhere in the show. So I'll, I'll accept that. I, wouldn't I'm that sure make KJ, you feel better about his, his showing at the, the skins match? If you knew he was just like, oh man, like the same way when you watch like the champs versus chumps, uh, Vegas edition. Yeah. And you're like, you know, Barsby is battling a hangover. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Well, we know that for a fact that that was happening. exactly. And that makes you love him that much more. <laughs> yeah. Or like, and Simon. that's my hope. Same thing for him. <laughs> exactly. And that's my hope for KJ USA. All right. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I'll take it back. It wasn't that irresponsible, but I mean, maybe a little bit. Just me being a hopeful gentleman. That it, I mean, if it can be irresponsible to suggest that a young man of legal drinking age imbibe a few beverages after a tournament uh, and be hung over for a exhibition match, then yes. That you may or may not get some cash. Like, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, sure. Why not? All right. Uh, Thank you. I think it's time for our world-famous deer review, our disc and beer pairing, where we take a disc, we take a beer, we review them both, and let you know whether you should bring it on the course. Tonight, we have the Infinite Discs Pharaoh, which is a 13-speed, six-glide, minus-one turn, two-fade distance driver. And big thanks to Gabe Howe for sending this to us. Uh, and we have, like I said earlier in the show, we have two beers for this one, since Joe and I are two different places and did not coordinate very well. Um, I am going to be drinking I was Bamboozle. I yeah. I'm going to be drinking Bamboozle by Bearded Iris Brewing, uh, which is a triple IPA, 9.8% alcohol. And uh, this is out of Tennessee. So thank you to Corey Nichols for sending this over, along with some others. So we've got a couple others that Joe and I will get to review together. Uh, and then Joe is drinking Amalgamator by Beechwood Brewing Company, which is 3.1% alcohol, and he's excited about it. 3.7.1. 7. <laughs> 7.1. Are you sure, Joe? That. So, I'm, of course I'm sure. Listen, y'all know if we ever review a beer under 6%, 99% of the time, that's a, it's Robin's doing. <laughs> Listen, uh, the the lesser beers deserve some coverage too. 
You don't have um, to like it. You just it. called them lesser beers, so well, no, lesser they don't. percentage, lesser alcohol percentage. I wasn't, I wasn't, I was, but I didn't, I did mean it that way. Okay, yep. you're right. All right, where do you want to start? Uh, your beer, my beer, or disc? Let's start disc. Let's start disc because I feel like um, I feel like I got a, a pretty good understanding of the disc. So it was pretty cool. Um, I threw it all. I, so I've been out of town. So I've been playing some random courses, and I ended up throwing the Pharaoh a lot at two courses in uh, Sacramento, California. I threw it a good amount of times at Shady Oaks in in Sac, or I guess in Orangevale. But it's a it's a bigger spot. Uh, you can find tournaments at that place, and then at a uh, course called Rockland, also in Sacramento. Or I guess or in Rockland, California, which is Sacramento, uh, which was set up in all long position. So I was really able to to let it rip. Uh, ultimately, I give you all this background because I. One, we got pretty, like, and by pretty, I mean, like, beautiful discs from, from Gabe uh, on Slack, Marlin Forehando. They're, they are they are gorgeous. Mine's are legit gorgeous a watermelon. Discs. Oh, yeah. Well, mine's like that pinky, awesome swirl. Like, that's my style. Yeah. Um, gorgeous swirls, cool stamp. Anyways, because it's, like, a specialty stamp, there are no numbers on them. So, I went in blind. Uh, I didn't look it up. I didn't know what the numbers were. I just threw it on the course, and um, I almost nailed. And uh, Brian Mintz on Slack will confirm exactly what I said. So I threw it. He, ar- know, he already did, actually. So this he, is he our, our Disc Golf Podcast Slack group, which you should join um, yeah. if you haven't already. Hit our website, throwstuffatstuff.com. Hit the Join Slack link and find the awesome – awesomest disc golf community in the whole world but yeah he already he already posted saying that that you pretty much nailed it and i had to shush him because he's the only one that knew that's what we were reviewing (laughs) yeah so uh by shush i meant that i reacted to his comment with a shush emoji but yeah totally speaking of which i will i'll take one more second on slack if it's something you're like maybe i should join that just do it like you will not be upset anybody who's like on the edge of like i don't really know what this is like i don't know if it's for me it is. You'll have a good time. You'll have great conversation. Or you can just read stuff and stay out of it. It's fine. Anyways, uh, I threw it enough, and I was like, let's see. The size of the rim, the way it's throwing, it's really similar to a lot of this I've thrown. I'm calling it right now a 13. Um, I actually called it a, a 5 glide, which I don't know that I'm all the way there even with a 5 because I just feel like I feel like the world of disc golf discs right now, and and I feel like you'll agree with me, Robin. Um, people are just overestimating the glide on discs. They're just putting wild numbers in my mind right now. Yeah. Like, like they're like, oh, it's a it's an eight glide. Like they're just wild glide numbers that I'm just like, no, you, no, no. Anyway, so I said thirteen five. Minus one, two, just because it didn't hook up super hard, even though uh, being a fresh disc and it's they're made by Innova. So it's basically like swirly star plastic yes. that these are in, which I think is called like S blend or something for them. I'm not sure. They're they, they are calling it S blend. Yeah. Oh, look and at then that. They have. I uh, don't even have it up on my screen. I should probably pull they, it up. They also have. So they, there's multiple different blends. What we have is the swirly S blend. Um, okay. That, 
and and uh, they have I blend, they have Metal Flake Glow C blend, and then they have S blend, um, and then the the swirly S blend that that we have here. And so, like, apparently the I blend ones are the most understable, um, and then the the C the C blend and the and obviously C for champion, uh, S for star, um, and then I for I have no idea. Um, okay, I, I'm enjoying this. So I didn't read these notes till right now. So it does say because I told you we had a pharaoh that we got before. Yeah, that I threw that like was super flippy and flippy and turned, and I was like, this is weird. And there's a note right here that says. The run five swirly S blend Pharaoh is more overstable than any previous run. Yeah. Which makes okay. me feel much better. Uh, but regardless, yeah. knowing that it was like an Innova manufactured disc, I definitely was like, it's going to be a minus one, two. Like and, I could get it to flip saying, up. Yeah. And then the, the, they say the run three I blend um, is more understable as well. That's so. probably what. I have. And then the they know they said the run five swirly S blend is the is more overstable. That's Did exactly what I'm saying. Oh, okay, that, that's what I'm understand. saying. This was Maybe this I'm is certain. way beefier than the Pharaoh I threw before. <laughs> like I kind of was like, is this the same disc? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, and like you said on the the six glide, uh, I don't. I mean, part of it is for me, I don't have the arm speed to tell you whether a 13 speed disc is a six glide because i, I don't closer than you think but yes i i don't generate enough power to tell you that because to figure out whether a 13 speed disc is a six glide or not i would need to be able to throw 450 feet yeah so so like i can't do that so i my hunch is that it's not a six glide but i i can't tell you with with full confidence that that that's true um what what i did notice and and that you know i did a little research on them too and apparently that this the pharaoh is basically a a variant of the shrike mold so mm. um uh, what i felt that is sense. that what this was was a slightly more overstable shrike in in the throws that i had it's actually the shrikes that we got early on and through were like like strangely overstable yeah, Remember, no, we, our first one that we bought we were, from Infinite was beef, and then it yeah. wasn't until later that we, like, found one and threw it, and, and we're like, it, oh! And, we're like, and, and we just thought we were crazy, because everyone else is like, oh, these strikes are nice and understable, and you can flip them, and they go really far, and we're like, the one we had was freaking pretty dang stable, and we were barely hyzer flipping it, um, and uh, and that's kind of what this is. It's like a that more overstable version of that strike that we had, it still goes pretty freaking far, um, mm -hmm. and it's just slightly more overstable. Still, that like I I got a flip like maybe once or twice on on a yeah. on a real good drive, but for the most part, it was it was an, a a stable to overstable distance driver for me. Uh, and then with Anheuser's, it, I get some nice flexes out of it and some really good distance. But for me to get good distance out of this disc, I had to put Anheuser on it. For me personally. So I got, I got decent distance flat, but I'll tell you right now, when I threw it with just a little hyzer, uh, it, it held the hyzer. It, yeah, it was like, same. all right, cool. Cool, I'm going to hook up. It's, but it still got out there. It was good. Uh, I, like I said, I think the speed is real. I think the turn, the fade is real. 
the glide is a little suspect. That's like kind of the number, but reading their little note <clears throat> makes me feel much better about that thought because when I first saw the six glide, I was like, y'all are tripping. You're insane. Why would you ever say that? But, but with the understanding that the run that we have is a, is a beefier run, uh, makes me feel a lot better. And it's a super, like I already said it earlier. It is a super pretty disc. Um, it flew well. It, it did have decent glide. Uh, I threw it, I think alongside a Raider a ton, my Raider got out a little bit more, like it held that longer. The glide was a little, a little more money. Like I, I trust Raider glide more than I do, um, the Pharaoh glide. But it's, it's not a bad disc, and it's a wider rim. Like, that's why I knew seeing that 13. I called it a 13, just feeling it like I like the wide rim. It's a, it's a nice disc. And I think the number, like I said, I think the numbers are spot on aside from the glide. Yeah, and I, I didn't do a real good job of prep on this disc. So when I took it out into the field with me, I took, uh, you know, I took my DD3. Um, I took, uh, trespasses in, in various plastics with me. Um, and, uh, what, there was one other, uh, I, I took, um, I took the Shrike, which is now understable and I took a recoil, um, which was probably closest from, of the discs that I brought. I think DD, DD3 is probably a decent. DD3 is more overstable. See, to me. Oh, was, really? Was, yeah. The, the ones that I have, oh. the, the max weight S line. Uh, DD3s, yeah, they were. Um, okay, because for me, it, it reminded me a little bit of, of of a DD3 or Raider or uh, Zeus or what? Or yeah, Zeus, not Kong, whatever. They weren't yeah. that insanely different for me. Um, mm -hmm. But I've only really thrown that DD3 like that first time. Yeah, that we did it. So it, it's been a it's been a minute, and you bag one, so it's a different world. Yeah, um, I I just felt it was a touch more overstable. But for me, again, like when you get into that 12 speed versus 13 speed, I'm not going to have a, a as finite of a of a a differentiation between the discs because I'm not I'm not getting them their their full flight. So that that could just be um, you know hearsay to be honest. But that that was my feeling on it. But overall, it's it's. People seem to love it. I hear lots of people raving about the Pharaoh uh, as as a great distance driver. Uh, it's it's too fast of a disc for me. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of the 13 speed rims, and I, it doesn't well, really let's like. Well, I our beers I, before I keep, we get really deep into that. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. Are you, are you ready to talk about yours? Or you want me to hit mine? Why don't you hit yours? So I am drinking a Bamboozle Triple IPA which is 9.8% alcohol uh, by Bearded Iris Brewing Company out of Tennessee and sent to us, thank you again, by Corey Nichols. Um, this is this is a pretty much also, a, just... a.k.a. the P guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I was... Uh, somehow I forgot to mention that so far. Um, Don't worry, I'm here, to, I'm here to let everyone know. Uh, Corey has some interesting choices in, uh, you know, usernames, but... I. He's he's proud of himself and what he likes to be into, and that's you know I we don't kink shame here on the Disc Golf Podcast. Yeah, you do you, you do you, Corey. And if you wanna, if you wanna champion that P, you you do that. So that um, uh, this is like, 
it's a little bit of a hazy, but it's it's your kind of classic like citrusy triple IPA, like maybe a a little bit of of like pine in there, but not crazy. Like primarily citrus, kind of pineapple type thing. Um, maybe even a little bit of orange, and and just a really solid IPA, not boozy. It's that's one the nicest thing whenever you get these triple IPAs that are up there in in uh, alcohol percentage the big thing they look for is does it have that kind of malty uh boozy sweet finish and this is not the case at all with this one so that's awesome um yeah nice nice smooth finish sorry just took another sip uh to, oh, yeah, to get, get through there a, a little bit sweet but but not like i said nothing like that that boozy finish um it's just a really super smooth triple IPA. Um, a little bit tiny. Like I, I'm now about like 10 seconds off of, of my sip, and it's got a little bit of a dry finish to it. Uh, nothing crazy, but uh, you know, tad bit of a, a dry finish. Overall, but solid. I mean, this is great. Smells good. Uh, nice citrusy flavor. Obviously, packs a punch. And yeah, this is this is good. A little bit tart lemony you know yeah um so i'll get to mine so i've got the the beachwood amalgamator uh it is an ipa at 7.1 percent it says it's a west coast ipa but it's kind of in the middle like it's it's not a hazy it's not a juice but it's just it's kind of light and smooth like it's not an over-the-top piney ipa uh i I definitely get more like fruit from it I, i also get a little bit more of like that dank I guess not dank. I always mix them up. Like the flavor in my palate is very similar. I can tell they spent, I can tell the flavor, but I also reading know that they spent a little extra time too, making sure uh, they had really quality malt too, aside from just hops. But it still has that, that West Coast IPA, like fruity pineapple. Uh, it's more like fruity than it is like citrus, which is nice. Um, there's like some passion fruit and, and pineapple. Uh, they do a ton of dry hopping. It's got mosaic warrior Columbus and Amarillo hops. Oh, wow. It's, it's super quality. Like I said, it's for a seven one, it's kind of just light and drinkable. There's a tiny bit of dryness at the end, but nothing that really hits you, especially like I said, how light it is and, and kind of just, um, easy drinking it is definitely for seven one like if you told me it was four eight if you told me it was a session i'd probably call bullshit because those are watered down and all you people like session ips are just good you're lying to yourself and to me (laughs) um but if you told me it was like six two i'd be like oh yeah i i i get that but at seven one it packs a punch um it's super nice it's it's uh it's fruity it's got yeah like just they they did a very very good job with the spear nice you gonna bring me one no i'm not gonna no i'm flying i'm not gonna i'm not gonna check my bag i don't check bags on on flights i'm not gonna check a bag to bring a beer back that we probably can get up there well we've got one of these up here for you it's kind of hurts my feelings that you get to taste this delicious beer and i can't i can't I can't have oh, any true. Of it. Oh, we also have we also have one of those uh 
one of those uh, modern times beers left for me up there too, right? Oh, um, yeah, about that. I kinda, exactly. I, kinda, I drank it on the pre-show, and boy, was it delicious. Exactly. Are you familiar with with exactly. Berliner Weiss? It's a, it's, it's a, it's a great style of beer. It was only like ten percent. You wouldn't have liked it. Oh right, yeah, that's out of my wheelhouse. I, everyone really... knows I'm uh, I'm six plus to nine point nine. Anything like on either side, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. It's no, it's that's a complete too, fucking lie. Too hot for you. I I understand. All right, anyways, it's a little um, bit sour. I'll, you know, I will. This is a this is like the epitome of a coarse beer. It's also I'm drinking out of a sixteen ounce can, which is uh, the the best world. As much as we love. Our bottle keepers, um, I don't know if y'all have noticed, but 16-ounce cans have kind of just taken over the world of disc golf beers for us. Well, just beers in general. Like, right now, there's more great beers that come in tall cans than 22s half the time, at least in the stores yeah. that we're running in. Totally I true. I mean, they're good totally 22s, true. obviously, but you're seeing way more in the, the, the tall can varieties for these breweries. So, it's it's a, it's hard to avoid. We're well, just funny sticking... enough, sorry, I just solid. Uh, had some sneezes. Um, so uh, most of the beer that I bought while I was oh, down here. you just sneezed, uh, sneezed twice in a row. I did. Whoa. No, I've done that before. Didn't we, I said didn't we have a whole show about... <laughs> I said more than twice in a row I've never done. Oh, okay. Twice I've for sure done. Oh, um, man, we almost witnessed history. No, it's not going to happen. Uh, so I was with Frank, the tank on our Slack group, Frank, awesome guy down here in SoCal brought me to a lot of courses, connected me. Great guy. Um, and, uh, each time I bought beer, he's like, Oh, you should get this and this and this. And the funny thing is we were at like the, the fridge at like a BevMo or something. He's like, who 1899 for a four pack. Like I get it but I'm not going to. And I was in my mind, I was like, dude, I buy four packs for 18, $19. Seriously. Like more than I want to admit, but I'll admit right now. Yeah. I will easily not be surprised if, if I buy three, four packs like that in a week. Yeah. I'm not quite. I try not probably to, usually for like, me. I usually max out at like one, but you know, in the right situation, it just happens. But like, I am one of those guys who, fortunately or unfortunately, um, I don't really get sticker shock anymore with beer, especially in that like four pack, like awesome beer shit. Like, I doesn't that doesn't drive me this way or that. Like, it, if it's a nineteen dollar four pack and it looks rad, uh, I don't even think about budget or anything. I'm just like, yeah, oh, that's probably really good. <laughs> and that's like a horrible world I live in, and you live in it too. I know. Like, yeah. well, that I looks mean, super good, it... and I'm gonna drink it. And I'm gonna like it, and uh, I'm just gonna buy it. And and I think when we started this podcast, I definitely was like, I can't. <laughs> and luckily, you know, there's been yeah, a, a promotion or two, on. and now <laughs> I'm like, I want that. I'm gonna I'm gonna have that. No more no more Bud Light Platinum for you. I mean, if it's on sale. <laughs> you know oh, no man. guarantees all right well are we ready to give verdicts on these guys i believe so all right so uh for me 
Uh, we'll start with the disc. Um, the Pharaoh, I already kind of said it. Uh, not really my style of disc. Um, I, I only bag one uh, disc in the high-speed range, and it's really for headwind shots. And, uh, you know, when I really need something very overstable and it's not something I break out on a regular basis uh, in, in normal rounds. So um, I, I seemed like a great disc, and it, it flies well, but not not really my style. So I will not be bagging the Pharaoh. Um, and for me, I, I mean, 13, 14 speed is like my world. I love that. Uh, but at that same time, I, I have been making a conscious effort to try and cut down on molds and everything in my bag. Um, I recently had a fantastic, and I talked about this on the pre-show, not in the main show. I, while playing disc golf down here in Southern California, I lost my like perfectly beat bio page pierce defender, but I feel very confident in Raiders taking over that spot. Like I already had a Raider in my bag and I'm just going to keep that world going. Um, and the similarities, and I think I actually said it in, in my review, the glide on the Raider is more true in my mind and the throws that I threw through than the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh's a great disc. Yeah. It it feels good. It looks good. Um it's definitely something, you know, Rob and I say this all the time. And, and for him it's not something that he would pick up just because it's not something that he throws often. But if I was down here and I didn't have a Raider in my bag and I knew I could pick up a Pharaoh and I was going to play another round and I wanted that spot in my bag like that slightly more of a stable distance driver like not beefcake like it's not a hardcore hookup i can get to pop up and go straight for a while before it hooks up and doesn't hook up yeah crazy hard but anyways it's not unattainably overstable no no you can it's it's not a a just pure beef disc that it's it's workable for sure i'll tell you right now the first run signature Macbeth destroyers are way 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 more beef oh god yeah than this pharaoh then um, oh, not to mention those grand slam ones exactly Jesus. so i could throw it and feel confident like and, and i did when i was starting on the course like i knew what it was going to do and it did exactly what i wanted once i figured out what it did it was consistent um and it's a gorgeous gorgeous disc which definitely helps uh with the whole idea of bagging something so Someday, if my Raiders disappear, who knows? Um, I wouldn't be blown away if I messed around with the Pharaoh again. But right yeah. now, there's there's not really a point for it to be in my bag. We got some. These are gorgeous stamps, too, on these things. I know. So. Gabe, you, you sent some they're, pretty pretties. They're awesome. So um, as for the beer, uh, I'm, I'm fully on board with my beer. This is fantastic. Bamboozle uh, by uh, Bearded Iris brewing out of tennessee uh thank you Corey. uh 9.9 percent alcohol amazing i just i love it 9.8 sorry right so well i've been uh on a work trip uh this is the last night of my work trip and i've been smashing these (laughs) (laughs) i i dig them they're fantastic uh i hope i feel like we can find them up where we are yeah and joe's drinking amalgamator uh, by, by Beachwood, Beachwood yeah. yeah, yeah, Beachwood so. is Beachwood is, does some really good stuff. So, 
get after them. They're worth it. Great beer. Awesome. Six well, ounce we, can. Get after it. Yeah. So we are two for four. We're both kind of out-ish on the disc and uh, love the beers. On our first ever uh, dual beer uh, deer review. So uh, yeah, what do you do got last for us, time? Joe? Did we, did we have the same beer? The last I time don't we remember. Did I feel like I maybe think we, we just either had the same beer or or um or maybe we I don't know what we did but who I knows I think maybe we only did a pre show I don't know anyways um two for four you live over there I am I'm just trying to think of like a good one I'm like <laughs> usually it like pops right into my mind and I'm like. And I'm not there. It's been a long two weeks. I'm <laughs> catching up on life. How about this? I'll 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 add in one. Uh, two for four. This is this is Kristen Tatar second place at Green Mountain Championship, and then pulling out the USWDGC win. Um, great showings in 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 both events, but but getting the win in one of them and coming up just a bit short in the other. So. I mean, I guess that makes sense. For me, I'm kind of like that should be a four for four, like her crushing it like that. But uh, well, I mean, what I'm saying is the Pharaoh was was a was a great disc. We're not like trying to to throw shade on it by not not saying it's going in the bag. Just like Kristen Tatar getting second place, the Green Mountain Championship well, is, it, is awesome. Yeah, it's it's a great disc that not everyone expects or knows about. Yeah, totally. And, I, and that's I think Kristen that, Tatar. Like, I think yeah. people that somehow didn't know about her. 100% know about her now. Yeah, for sure. And even more will when she plays at USDGC. So that, that'll be fantastic. All right. Well, that's all we got for you in this episode of the Disc Golf Podcast. Thank you for tuning in this week. I encourage you to check out our Patreon patreon.com slash the disc golf podcast we do a pre-show before every single podcast um so there's like 90 of them up on patreon right now so if you join our patreon you get access to all these extra podcasts which are largely ridiculous um sometimes very explicit other times just completely goofy but they're just kind of like a free form version of our podcast um where we do all kinds of silly stuff so if you love the show, I guarantee you will love the pre-shows. Uh, so join us, uh, become a patron, help support the show. And we really appreciate everyone that has done it so far. I would also uh, really, really love it if you join the Slack group. Hit up our website, throwstuffatstuff.com. Hit the join Slack link, and you'll get into our awesome incredible disc golf community filled with disc golfers from all over the world. Uh, if you want want to find someone that lives in your area, there's there's uh, channels for every or if location. you're moving if you're moving to somewhere new and you want to find people to play with that's a it's a great tool for that as well yeah if if you just want to learn how to play better or or if you just want to show off all the discs you buy every week uh it, it's we've got places for you so uh check it out or if maybe you're being way too productive at work and you want to lower your productivity like significantly and just bullshit about disc golf all day our Slack group is the place for you. So check that out. Again, throwstuffatstuff.com and then hit the join Slack link in the main nav and uh, we will welcome you, I promise. So uh, lastly, please 
Drop five stars on us in your favorite podcast app. Leave a nice review. Helps other people find the podcast, and uh, we really appreciate reading them as well. So um, leave us those five stars, and then get out there this weekend and throw stuff at stuff. This is a song for the aceless. But those with aces, listen closely. You don't always have to hug it hard. In fact, sometimes that's not right to do. Sometimes you got to lay it up and fucking not run an ace or two. Sometimes you got to ease if you wanna put the D's and the B's. Sometimes you got to say, hey, I'm gonna throw it softly. I'm gonna hug it gently I'm gonna flick it smoothly I'm gonna toss it so sweetly And then you say, hey, I hit some metal And then you say, wait a minute, Robin I think I'm starting to get it now Could you fill my throat for me? That's fucking teamwork! What's your favorite disc? That's cool with me, it's not a trespass, but I guess it works for you. What's your favorite beer? The only answer is an IPA, so let's go to the bar. And then I'm gonna flick it so sweetly. And then I'll fucking hug it softly. And then I'll fucking throw it perfectly. But then I'm gonna hug it.